you said this show has got more jokes in it than um, than any of your previous shows. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's there's the, there are classifiable things in there which <laughs> yeah. you could write down and go right. Well, that's I guess that's a joke. But that but that's the joy of a lot of your stuff. Like some of the, that's, I don't use the word masterpiece lightly. I really don't because I, I think if you look at someone like Mitch Hedberg, and I say this on the show from time to time, the. Uh, for me, the joy in a Mitch Hedberg one-liner is that it doesn't work on paper. It doesn't work mm. written down mm. it, in the way that, say, a Stephen Wright joke would. Yeah. Um, it, it is so caught up in it, so suffused with his persona that that's what makes it funny. And seeing you with your persona absolutely rich and, and uh, multi-layered and full of personality then doing a joke which also chimes, like something classifiable as a joke, let's call it, which chimes with that persona but is also a kind of, like a joke, bang, punchline type joke. It's just, it's delirious, mate. It's brilliant. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm it, it's funny because sometimes I'll read something that I think would be perfect for my stage persona. So, for example... Um, Well, now where did I read this? I can't remember where I read it. It was like, I don't know, some Russian... I don't know, some novel Russian... Novel I was thumbing through. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it was a Russian novelist. Right. And he... So I've got a joke in my show about uh, somebody burying their husband. He died. They put money in the, the... Part of the culture is that you put money in with them when they die. And then she had a rough time. I had to dig him up, and then I'm. There's a punchline to that. That's true. I read that this guy. Uh, part of the culture was that you bury someone with money. A year later, he went. I need that money. So when I read that, I was like, "Well, you know, that's funny." <laughs> or like, um, it seemed to suit. It's funny, and it seems to suit you. Mass. Yeah, massively. Yeah, massively. Or like. Um, because why? Why? Because it suits you. Why? I think I know. Why do you think it suits you? Um. Because it's absurd. It's just. It's just like it's just the most stupidest thing to do. It's just. It's just so. It's just so absurd. But it's also. It's also big and mythic. Yeah, it's about death. Do you know what I mean, it's and something that could and... be in a fairy tale. Yeah, okay, yeah. It has that kind of uh, kind of permanent quality to it, and yet it's really mundane. It's about the kind of... Yeah, it's just needing money to you know, live, yeah. buy milk and bread. But you've got to dig up your loved one. <laughs> or like, I read, like, you know, when I read uh, Charles Darwin was, was clean-shaven until he was 53... That's it. I'm not. I'm done. I'm like, there we go. I don't have to do anything for a week. That's fantastic. You know. And then you think, well, what could you do with that? Oh, you never know what's around the corner in life. You know. Put the pen down. I love that Charles Darwin clean shaven till it's. It's true, but I mean, it's just I, that makes me laugh so 
much. So it, it's part of it is is you having cultivated the ability because you could easily the person in the street could just overlook that fact and go oh interesting without ever really getting into that. I I I look for those. I I really look for those things, those facts. So in my first show, the Mona Lisa, when it was stolen in 1917, the next day people queued up to see the gap in the wall. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Just, you know, beautiful. I mean, I just couldn't, you know. Oh, it's a kind it's of... just fantastic. It's just, you know, you can't, I don't know what to do with that. I just, it's brilliant. So I just think, right, well, build something around that. It's a, And it's an open part of that for you, the writer, is a sort of an openness to to sort of sit with something like that and... Well, just, you know, you, you think... the absurdity of that in. You think, who's in that queue? Uh, what does yeah. it look like? What are they doing when they get to the front? And, I mean, and, there's just so much going on there. And then you're, you're riffing and expanding a, from a platform which is already just full of pathos and absurdity and the human condition. So it's almost like any joke you come up with not any joke, but, you know, a good joke that you come up with based on that is going to be just filled with those qualities because the the beginning observation isn't we wash ourselves in the same order every day in the shower. The beginning observation is, like, here's a real thing that's full of... Well, it's absolutely... Humanity. Absurdity has to be based in truth. It has to be. It has to be rooted in truth. Like, I don't know, flying a kite. It could be the most beautiful, amazing kite. But it, it, at the end of the day, there's a string going down to the bottom and someone's holding it. Like, as long as, you know, in my, in my show I'm doing at the moment, there's things in there that people, after my shows, they ask me if it's real. Buzz Aldrin taking Holy Communion on the moon. Leonardo da Vinci's to-do list when he died described the tongue of a woodpecker, stuff like that. It's all true. It's all, you know, it's all completely true. Um, it's what a comedian does with the truth that, that makes it funny. And that's why, I, as I've said earlier, I don't put a premium too much on truth because I don't think that's our job. A couple of listener questions. Oh, <laughs> Adam Larter says, <laughs> "Why don't you mime as much anymore?" <laughs> and that that question Fuck reminded me. Out. I think he specifically. This is from the the comedians comedian podcast Facebook group. Uh, Adam Larter of Weirdos Comedy Fame. Um, he was asking why you don't mime so much, specifically with regard to the shower bit in uh, Shtick. Which was great, which I'd forgotten about until I saw that question. I was like, oh, my God. <sighs> Why don't I mime anymore? Well, I know Adam, so I'd, I... I, I uh... <coughs> well, actually, I made a conscious decision after that show to... 
avoid, um, not avoid, but to slightly move away from audience participation. So that show bit was actually my first show. Second show, I got someone up and reenacted a pub. Mm. It's all very funny. It's all good. I like the, you know, I like the idea of it every, every, uh, Every, uh, every, what am I saying here? Yeah, every night was different. So I like that. But, but that, that is the, tr that's the answer. I couldn't be asked anymore. <laughs> is that because you... I wanted to, in my head, I was thinking, you know, so my third show, I was like, first show is prop heavy. Second show, slightly slimmed down. Third show, I was like, right, just stand on stage. And do a show. It was still a prop at the end with an envelope. And then this year has been just me. Just me talking. So <laughs> next year, I'm not even going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the trick. If you can make money not being there. Oh, so meta. <laughs> I think that's all there is left to do. <laughs> yeah, whoever cracks that, they're a rich man. Someone, oh, this, is, this isn't a listener question. This is a me question that I noticed on your bio. It says you've written for Harry Hill. Harry Hill's one of my favourite, or written with or for Harry Hill. Yes. He's just one of my favourite comics. And uh, Yeah, I had a mad, I, I, wrote with him for, I wrote with him for about a year. Talk to I, me about that. It, um, well, he came to see my show. He liked it. Uh, we went for dinner. And uh, basically, he was, um, I, I, <laughs> it, well, I mean, it's kind of, people don't remember this, but he brought back stars in their eyes on ITV. Okay. So I was in every episode of Stars in Their Eyes, doing sketches. Okay. And I wrote with his writers on that. And then I wrote on Tea Time, which was his Sky show. Yeah. I mean, it was facet. I mean, so first off, the writers, so Paul Hawksby and Dan Mayer, those were the two that I worked with. Incredible comedy writers. Paul Hawksby, who, who does a show on TalkSport, wrote for uh, Frankie Howard. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and he produced uh, Fantasy Football with Frank Skinner and all the David Baddiel. Anyway, my point being, they wrote TV Burt for 12 years. So there was a shorthand with, with Harry Hill. And I, I did feel a bit like a fish out of water at times. I was like, God, this is tough. Because I was writing for someone else, and this was only... This is like just over a year, about a year and a half after I just left work. Oh. And so I'm just in this world where I'm like, God, this is mad. I'm on Stars in Their Eyes with Harry Hill writing, <laughs> writing jokes. What was incredible about him was that you'd go in for a meeting, say, nine till one, you throw around ideas, or I'd sit there shitting myself. <laughs> and then the next day, he'd write down what he thought was funny, he'd write down ideas that he quite liked. Next day, 10 a.m., 30-page script, full of jokes. Unbelievable work ethic. So in many ways, I'm grateful for the education of that. 
Just to see firsthand that being possible. Yeah. Even. Yeah. But he's... Um, yeah. Something else. I was, uh, I was in awe. Still am, really. Paul Savage says, how many industry people have tried to shape him and has he pushed back against this? Are there any avenues he didn't go down? No. Uh, no, I haven't, I, I, I haven't turned down... I've only turned down anything. Very early on, someone asked me... Um, they said it will never... It will, you know, you need to get rid of the wig, basically. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I've, I, I've put, I don't know, I've pushed back in that... I've always... I've said this before, but... You know, I, I just... I, worst case scenario for me is that I need to get a job. That's, that's our worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Most people's worst case scenario is losing a job. Mm -hmm. That is their worst case scenario. So I'm thinking, well, I just need to keep believing that I'm right, trust my instincts, and just stick to my guns. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do panel shows. They do not interest me in the slightest. I don't watch them. Sure, I'd love the money, but it's not for me. Uh, so there we go. You know, there we go. Ali Bryce says, <laughs> how does the imagined slash dreamed of life of a comedian compare to the actual real life of being a comedian? John clearly has a love of comedy and has achieved what most comedians dream of twice. Is he living the dream? <laughs> wow. Um... You know, if if you told me when I was eighteen I'd be making money from, I'd be making money from stand up, then I'd be like, well, that is the dream. Um, it's been hard, like when winning awards and stuff, especially back to back. Uh, the spotlight burns bright. And that sounds wise. What does it mean? Well, you get tired by it. I, I, but in 2015, I burned out. Uh, I'd done a sitcom with uh, Steve Raskopoulos, Top Coppers. I've just seen the first five minutes of it on YouTube this morning. It's oh, the wow. first I've seen of it. Really made me laugh. Well, it was, that opening scene it, with the ice cream cube is fantastic. It was pretty good. It was good. And I'd, I'd fil I filmed that the week, uh, weeks after uh, filming Stars in Their Eyes. And then went to Melbourne... And I burned out at the end of that. I burned out. And uh, I was fucked. <laughs> and I, you know, I went on antidepressants and I was having anxiety attacks. And, you know, I, I didn't do anything for a year, basically. I look back at that and I think, I didn't really do anything. Um, so I'm, ha I'm, I'm kind of, I think I'm happier now than I was then because that, that you know, he mentions the awards there. I'm very grateful for them, but they come with pressure to win it. It's different to be nominated or to win it. 
is different. And uh, to do it twice, of course I was, you know, blown away. But when I won it the second time, I knew what was going to... I knew my year again. I knew... I did a... You know, I look back at 2013... No, 2014. I did a month at the Soho Theatre in January of 2014 with my first show. And then I did a month of my new show at the Soho Theatre in October of that year. I did a two-month run at the Soho Theatre with two different shows, including a month in Edinburgh and a month in Melbourne. You know, and I'm someone who, at that, you know, I'd left work November 2013. Mm. The pr- I, I, it was crazy, because no one knew who I was. I hadn't been paid to perform comedy. They are like, who is this guy? And audiences had no idea who I was, and commissioners and I was having all these meetings and I'm like well I'm I'm (laughs) so from the outside you know I can imagine people thinking well there we go he's off but it was just so intense you know you're meeting people like Chris Morris he's coming to your show you're having dinner with Harry Hill you know Amazing, but I'm, I'm, that was then. Was it, did you have time to enjoy it? Did you have time to enjoy those moments? Um, yeah, I think well, you, I, just the, the, what I enjoyed was the reaction of the show, especially in Edinburgh. You know, doing a show every night that's working. Great. Like, fucking hell. That's why we do it, the buzz of that. Um, Financially, those awards were so important to me. It meant I could quit my job. And that's why I'll never speak badly about them, really. They, They helped me immeasurably. They really were important to me uh, and I did enjoy it you know but it was just so intense it was just so intense and that that could be me you know somebody uh, probably listening now is like I don't even know who you are what do you mean it's intense <laughs> <laughs> intense is like you know <clears throat> Julian Assange people wondering oh, that must be fucking intense but it's all it's all subjective um I, I do you know what I think I think my girlfriend and I think my family would say that I probably could have enjoyed it more. You know, like I got some really nice reviews this week. And last night Gabby was like Enjoy it. And in my mind I'm like, yeah, I will enjoy it. But I've got a show tonight. Yeah. And then do you get to enjoy it when the show finishes, when the run finishes? Do you get to I was thinking are about you, this. Are you capable of revisiting the emotion of you've just had a great review in a broadsheet? Because uh, I think that at the end of Edinburgh, I go, God, I'm exhausted. I've got stuff to do, but I'm really proud of myself 
but I've got to do the stuff first, and then I'll and then I'll, go, I'll I'll write a note to myself saying, "Remember to be really proud of yourself. Like remember to yeah. luxuriate in that because you've earned it." That's exactly what I'm doing right now. Oh, I'm, go, I'm going. Uh, I'm going. Uh, <laughs> I'm going next Sunday. When it, you've done two weeks, you got the reviews. People came. Next Sunday, you know, it's Christmas. <laughs> you know, enjoy yourself. Yeah, I can't. Can't see it happening, but that's just yeah. There's always the next thing. In 2014, you told me that I was restless. <laughs> Fuck me. Who's that? Me. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. Right. So I thought you were reading it. Oh so. no, no, that's uh... restless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember in 2012 when we did the course, you were restless. Yeah. You were saying. I remember the conversation we had walking down Dean Street. I didn't want to say it. Well, I mean, I'm tell me, it. tell me again. This is we can decide to put it in or not. But I like I uh, historically have got a really terrible memory, and I absolutely love people saying, "You remember that chat we had?" and then reminding me because I, I mean, I remember talking to you. But well, I like, didn't. I, I, I don't think I. I don't think we've ever gigged together. That's a good point. I don't think we have. No. Um, and so that was probably the first time I met you. I knew the podcast, obviously, but I remember having a chat. And you know, I yeah, it's just it's just mad thinking back. You know, like I, I probably called in sick from work, and I'm walking around Soho, like well, running around Soho in, in your pants, whatever you made us do. But um, I remember us having a conversation, and I mean, I'd be interested to know what I was saying, but I remember you saying you wanted to just get off. The maybe the circuit, but you you felt like you were in a routine uh. and, a, and a, a rut, and you wanted to take more risks on stage and um, not have to worry about. But I think the conversation then went well. But then it's that old thing of if it's paying the bills. Mm. But that's what I remember. You said you were there for because I remember looking at you going, "This guy's a professional comedian." I was surprised to see you, I think. And then when you went, I'm just trying to snap out of it, of whatever you were doing, of the material, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it's just amazing how you look at other people, don't you? Because I'm there going, you know, God, he's, he's a, you know. I knew who you were, obviously, and you're a comedian, and you're, you're going about. and So... Yeah, that's what I remember you saying. You wanted to get out of the routine of the circuit. Oh, that's and funny. The, that's, I mean, that's yeah. almost exactly what I said to you when you walked in here today. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, <laughs> you'll be thinking that on your deathbed. <laughs> well, I think the, the, the thing, that if I'm thinking about it now, is that that's quite a dramatic, sh that's a quite a big thing for you to think about doing. And it's about finding ways of just slowly doing it your way. And mm. I think you did that this year with um, how you did Edinburgh. Yeah. You allowed yourself space. Oh, yeah. And it was really like, because I walked past your door every day to go down. Uh -huh. And it was, you know, it was always blowing up, having a great time. And then obviously I've heard and read you say that that's how you should do it. 
And I think that's that's the way I think you will continue to find different little things because um, you've got an audience and I think they'll let you do whatever you want over there. So I think that's quite... The way you did Edinburgh this year, I think, is the key. I'm going to try and play that room that you were in last time, Fantastic. this time. Fantastic. It's a beautiful room. The ghost of your show will be hanging over me. <laughs> no, no, no. That's... Uh... I'll be thinking, let the, let it be funny. <laughs> Uh, do you know what they should do? You know, they paint at Monkey Barrow, they paint their faces. Oh, and, you yeah. Know, it's huge. Like, I remember Spencer, day one for his tech, he went in and he was like, it's a huge painting of me just outside my room. Um, I think they should paint Let It Be Funny facing the performer inside that room. <laughs> that came from, again, that came from, talking about failure, me and Tim Key were in Amsterdam doing Toomla. Previewing. Mm. I've never done it. I've heard about Toomla. I think I like the word. I know I love Amsterdam. And I like the word Toomla and I like the Dutch. How's the gig? <laughs> Gigs, I mean, you know, they, uh, the gig's fun. It's amazing. You know, it's, they, they, it's nothing wrong with the gig or the, the people that run it will put you up. It's more the, um, <laughs> it was more the state of the show that I was doing. Mm. And something didn't happen. I don't know. They didn't laugh at something. And I lost it. I completely lost it with them. And I started just shouting, you know, come on, let it be, just let it be Because just out of desperation, I was like, come on, just let it be funny, man. This is killing me. Anyway, I will go off and Tim went, hmm, you need to keep that. I was like, hmm, okay. And then there you go, then it's a bit. <laughs> so that, 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 you know, out of... Out of failure comes, uh, well, usually a nice line, a nice, a nice self-deprecating line. AJ Hill says, are those teeth uncomfortable? Is the wig itchy? <laughs> no, no, it's all, you know, I've put a mould in them now, so they're all, they perfectly fit in. It's the same wig I've had for six years. I mean, I'm not joking, it's got dreadlocks now. Have you bought a spare backup one in case no. you lose it? Because it'll by the time you lose it, the backup might no longer be available. It's, That's that Nina Conti had that problem. <laughs> well, it's bizarre. I, I don't know what I'm playing at. It's gone all around the world with me, this thing. <laughs> Have you ever had it looked at in customs? Oh, yeah. I mean, bloody hell. <laughs> you know, I mean, when they look at it in customs, you ever put it on and look at them like, hey, hey? <laughs> Stars in their eyes? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... God. I've had a few problems like that. I remember um, I, oh, Battersea Arts Centre. It's the only time I've forgotten the teeth. I had this one show, forgotten them. And I was like, what do I do? So John was there and he, he fashioned uh, some teeth out of a plastic pint glass. And I was calling Gabby, being like, wonder if she could Uber them. I mean, I was like, what is my life here? Anyway, so I went, I went on stage and these... This, I've got this pint. I mean, it's just insane looking back. I forgot my wig once at the 100 Club. I put a box on my head. I mean, it's fucking... I don't know why. I don't know. I, yeah. And also, I've forgotten these things. And then people go, oh, I was at this gig where you came on with a box on your head. <laughs> and you just, had to say, yeah, I'm sorry, it's because I forgot my wig. I think I probably didn't. I probably just played it like, yeah. 
God. Oh, you were at one of the box shows. <laughs> ah, that was, that was my box face. There's only one gig. What What is it? Let's Let's wrap up on this then. What is it about those magical items that let you... <laughs> What is that? I don't. I haven't. You do I, know I, what it I, is. I really don't. I really don't. Look, I really don't. I mean, to the extent that the magic, what do you feel the magic can't happen, or that you're scared the magic won't happen, or like, have you done? Could you do the set without them? Yeah, no, I did that show without them, and it was fine. But it was, it was the, it was the. I, I, uh, so I, they, they. They make me feel funny. I have a reason to be on stage and be funny. I feel funny. I look stupid in the mirror. Um, it's absurd. It's It shouldn't work. Um... But that, that's the biggest thing, genuinely. It makes me feel funny. I, 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 you know, I think when I started out, 2008, gigging all the time till, I, was, I think I was struggling, like, for a reason to be on stage. I'm like, you know, I'm just, um, like, who am I? I'm just this guy, like. I've seen some video of you from around that period doing the hamster bit, the bit about the hamster doing chin-ups inside the hamster cage. <laughs> yeah, the chortle student videos. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that in case you didn't want people to try and find them. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I mean, the... It's, the thing, it's the thing, genuinely the thing about, fascinating. The, the, it, well, yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> the, the, the thing about them is I, I just think, well, obviously, dream scenario, they get taken down. But when I was 18, I signed a bit of paper. Yeah. Um, weirdly, I have a pride about them now because I'm like, I'm 18 and I'm giving it a go. Yeah. I'm trying something. And I'm a young man and, uh, you know, I'm overweight and, uh, you know, baby blue jumper and it's not, you know, it's it's, you know. It's fascinating to watch from my point of view as well. But, you know, I can I, I look at where I am at now and I'm like, well, if that can change in 10 years, then where am I going to be in another 10 years, you know? But I'm, I'm weirdly proud of them. I'm a young man trying it. And it's, you know, it's, it's bollocks, but... Uh, I don't know. Good, good on me. Giving it a go. 